Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Live from Sherm Talent, a show dedicated to the story that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. We're pulling back the curtain and asking the hard questions. It's what we do. It's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Al on from Veritant Consulting, and we're going to be learning about the use case, the business case, for why prospects use Veritant Consulting. So Al, now you can actually pronounce your whole name for us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself or introduce yourself and Veritant Consulting. Thanks, William. Um, so my name is Dr. Alessandria Polizzi. Most people call me Al. Um, and my background is I spent 20 years in organizational development, talent management, talent development. The last five years focused on employee lifecycle and most recently was the head of HR for the fourth largest veterinary hospital company in the United States. And a little over a year ago, I realized that I had uh, burnt out through all that work. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, when I went to find a solution that would help me, um, I wasn't satisfied with what I saw, so I like to say, I said, hold my beer, I'm going to go fix this real quick, and that's what Verdant Consulting is. So we focus on providing science-based resiliency skills, emotional agility, and psychological safety training and uh, auditing through the ISO 45003. We have about 30 affiliates who are certified to teach our program and methodology, uh, we offered a, bl- a blended solution that helps organizations beef up the skills of their leaders when it comes to managing their uh, emotional responses to the stresses of our daily work life and creating an organization that will help people thrive. Good time to talk about resiliency and safety. Crazy. Exactly. Exactly. You'd think that we had a pandemic or something going on. <laughs> something that might have uh, helped folks kind of come to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. So um, what was your PhD in? <laughs> so my PhD is actually in uh, American literature. Nice. Um, my dissertation was on cultural identity and work in early 20th century American literature. Oh, my goodness. That's, I know. That's fantastic. Yeah, I use it all the time. No, no. <laughs> And you do. You <laughs> and do. I do. And you do. And I do. I mean, definitely I've been tapping into my inner academic, spending as much time as I have been reading the latest scientific research on resiliency and workplace stress. I spent um, the first three months of this endeavor, and part of my burnout recovery was doing something I love, which is researching. And uh, I know, I'm a nerd, but um, that helped me get really grounded in the science behind why we react to things that we do. And the things I've seen for 20 years from a leadership development perspective, we tell leaders, but we don't teach leaders how to manage uh, and, and navigate through the challenges that they face and the stresses that are upon them. With resiliency, are folks, it's like the leadership question that you probably get asked, are, are you born with it? Uh, no. You uh, develop it uh, over time. So resiliency is uh, how you are able to bounce back from stresses. It isn't the um, inoculation from experiencing stresses or emotions. And that's why I focus on things like emotional agility, because it's not about trying to quote unquote control 
your emotions or not have them. It is about understanding that that is natural. And then how do you, based on science and what's been scientifically proven to make you more effective in the workplace, how do you respond in a way that works for you? And your work in safety. Did you, where'd you, where'd you start researching that? I really became interested in this as I started to think about the ecosystem in which leaders, employees, humans exist in the workplace. Um, we can't have healthy, uh, adjusted employees in a toxic workplace. And so if we think about things like the Great Resignation, where you're 10 times more likely to lose employees um, if you have a toxic workplace, um, it really is kind of the yin and yang of having a healthy organization. And so what got me super interested in it from a scientific point of view was when ISO came out with ISO 45003 last summer, and that has the global guidelines for how you address those hazards and risks in your organization from a very scientific right. point of view. And that, that structure, I think, gives credence and um, guidelines for companies that are really transformational and move us out of psychological safety being seen as like free hug Fridays and more of a way of keeping people safe. Which free hug Fridays might cause other problems. Let's just, <laughs> let's just, <laughs> let's just suggest that. So your work in stress, um, the work that you've either done in research or just in, in consulting with clients, how have, how have they seen this over the last two years? How have they seen both in themselves and in their employees? Yeah, I mean, it's my opener is to ask people. So people ask me, actually, what industry do you specialize in? And my answer is any organization that experiences stress. Um, and I usually get a chuckle with that. Exactly. That would be pretty universal. And so the fact of the matter is that as humans, we evolved to protect ourselves from getting eaten and that it means we're always on guard. We have negativity bias um, and that stress and anxiety is what kept us alive. And um, it also was making us sick. And so how we understand the biology of that and how to respond in ways that can help us um, not have a takeover of stress and uh, avoid, avoid some of the common causes of an accelerance of burnout, the better able we'll be able to have happy, healthy lives, but also perform better, have better ROI as a hire, blah, 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 all the things that you want when you have an employee. Right. So the work, things that we've already stressed, uh, that we've already strung together in terms of resiliency, safety, stress, and burnout with the, co- with the pandemic, with the COVID, <laughs> uh, with the pandemic, you know, it's, it's interesting because people probably three years ago had been taboo to talk about mental health. You know, you and I, you know, talking about like different things, aspects of mental health. It's almost in every conversation I have with somebody now. Like we just openly talk about like, ah, I, I just got to a point yesterday, I just walk away. Like, all right. Like, you know, and it's, it, people are, are more in tune with them, themselves, I think, which is fascinating on some levels. Um, what do you see when it, as it relates to mental health? So it's interesting. Um, one uh, Canada, Australia implemented guidelines around psychological safety over a decade ago. And so it wasn't actually a result of um, the pandemic. This is something that science has been showing that there's a financial risk in having psychologically unsafe organizations, um, be it physical harm to your employees, um, 
be it uh, you know lower quality customer service, lower quality product, etc. So the fact of the matter is now I think while some may feel comfortable discussing men- their mental health and mental health needs, there is definitely still a huge stigma and quite frankly a fear of our emotions, um, especially at the executive level. So ironically, I saw a study that on mental health in the workplace that showed that the largest the largest group um, with the highest propensity of mental health issues was the C-suite um, and the executive team. And Gallup showed last year that the only group to ha- actually have an increase in burnout um, in 2021 were people managers. And so um, while we have this really rampant issue, we want to pretend that we can turn all those things off and what we do is we create shame um, and um, denial. That's honestly, those are the things that are broken, not people having feelings. So this is going to be a loaded question. How much of that is li- just uh, just simple gender? Wow, that's a great question. Because um, I would, I want to blame men. Okay, here. I, I I hear that, and I want to support that. My women's <laughs> studies degree is super excited right now. But um, <laughs> what I would say is, it's definitely cultural, and I think we try to. It's definitely hierarchical as well. Right. Um, and, you know, it's funny to me because I see so much right now in on LinkedIn and the news about being vulnerable, being empathetic. And this is what I see as well. We tell people, but we don't teach people how. Right. And that's what I'm focused on is, okay, you can tell me all these things. I'm supposed to be all these things, but I don't know how to do that. No one's ever taught me how to do that. So what are the skills I can build that have been scientifically proven to teach me how. And so that's what we focus on. I love that. I love that. You mentioned toxic culture earlier. When someone comes to you, when one of your clients comes to you and says, we have a problem, or you do an audit and you find out they have a problem, how do you, how do you tend to treat toxic culture? Well, so if you look at actually the guidelines around um, psychological safety, they have three components. Okay. One is, do we have structures that cause accelerants of dysfunction, such as lack of role clarity, lack of shared goals, um, excessive red tape. There are things that, that can, structures have nothing to do with feelings, that can actually cause that toxicity to thrive. So that's one. Two, what's happening in your environment that creates a hazard or a risk to your organization? Um, is it incredibly competitive? Do you have a very tight talent market, as an example? Um, what are the outside environmental pieces? And then we also look at the behaviors of, of the, within the organization that are tolerated, expectations, um, how decisions are made, how resources are allocated. And so you really want to look at the comprehensiveness of the organization um, to see where those hazards and risks may exist. If you think about creating psychological safety the same way you do physical safety. If I have people doing dangerous work, they're they're up high, right, cleaning windows. Um, I can say, well, that's just part of falling every once in a while is just par for the course. Or I can say, hey, what are the things I can put in place to give them a less of a risk to to their safety? And so that's how we think about it. I love it. Last question is uh, back to Verit Consulting. How do you typically work with folks? Um. Our main focus is on, you know, trying to address where their issues may be. So sure. some, if it's 
uh, hey, we have a lot of innovation we're trying to, to implement, we're trying to pivot, we need to equip people to absorb change, we can help. Um, if it is, hey, we've had a lot of change or mergers, acquisitions coming together, we need to create more stability. We have people who are experiencing burnout. We've had high turnover. We have, you know, we want to extend beyond an EAP to help people build the skills that they need to be successful. We help with that. And the another way that we help, which is pretty unique, is we really specialize on the HR team. So we have a lot of offerings that are specifically about HR well-being within the HR function. So we help them with things like HR burnout, HR compassion fatigue, toxin handling, um, and we offer programs around that that will help the HR team because if you don't take care of the carers, how can they care for others? Well, the, the disproportionately, those are the folks that st- stood up and really got, exactly got in the right. mix with the pandemic. I read a study the other day, and it was women in particular mm-hmm. uh, are the ones that actually stood up. And uh, also, this is actually it was, uh, McKinsey and um, Lean In. It was, mm-hmm. an, it was mm-hmm. a study that they put together. Was, women are the first, during the first year of the pandemic, women are the ones that actually the ones that took over. Yep. And women are the ones that didn't get any credit. That's right. And I'm they like, also left their jobs. <laughs> well, I'm, like, and, I'm like, half of the study, I'm like, women, yeah, they're, they're, they stood up. And they the got other, nothing in return. They got um, nothing in yeah, return. Yeah, no, one of my podcast episodes is on, you know, I, I jokingly say, like, if I have to see one more article about how women got the short end of the stick, I'm going to punch something. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the short end of the day. Al, thank you so much for coming on the well, Use Case Podcast. This has been wonderful. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.